I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to Blaster Cannon. We are a Den of Geek podcast all about Star Wars and Star Wars associated things. So more Star Wars. I am one of your hosts, Seth. With me, as always, is Megan. Hello. Star Wars and, and Star Wars adjacent. That's us. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> and we also have Paul. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here today to talk about some something that came out recently, um, The Last Jedi, the new Star Wars movie that you probably have seen by now. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't, we will be talking about spoilers during this podcast, so we will have a quick like general feelings bit beforehand, but there may be spoilers in that as well. So if you want to go in totally clean, if you somehow haven't been spoiled yet by the time this episode airs, don't listen to this. Uh, otherwise, you'll find a go. So just keep going. Um, this is episode 15. We're doing good on this show. We've made it to 15 somehow. <laughs> we have. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good. It's uh I really appreciate Den of Geek supporting us and uh, letting us talk about mostly EU. But now we have an actual movie to talk about, so that's cool. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> so first up, I guess the big question is, do you like it? Just a yes or a no, do you like it? Do you like The Last Jedi? Oh, this is the fun part. Yes, I like The Last Jedi. <laughs> I like The Last Jedi. Nice. I uh-huh. also... Interesting. I uh, I know you had a lot of concerns at first, Paul. So I'm really curious, especially to hear what you thought on like oh, multiple viewings. Oh, oh, you will trust me. You will. <laughs> Ready <laughs> on that topic. We like. How many times have you both seen this movie? Because I've seen it three times by now, uh, and I want to go see it more, but I haven't had a chance yet. I've seen it three. Nice. I have seen it twice. Nice. Very nice. Did watching it multiple times change your opinion on it? I feel like this is a definite yes for Paul. What about you, Megan? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I'm I'm not the, like, interesting one in this case. Um, It was pretty much like there was some stuff that I was looking for specifically, and there were, like, lines I wanted to be sure I caught and things like that. But I generally enjoyed it equally both times. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Okay, Paul, I know you are interesting with this one. Yeah, okay, so um, I just podcasted about this the other day, so this is all fresh in my mind. Um, Basically, The Last Jedi, I left the theater angry. Um, Just, I was not, for people, you know, who were keeping track of of all of us in the last show this this last year, I've been pretty much spoiler-free. And um, I avoided all the TV spots. I really did not know. I had assumptions. I kind of assumed things were going to go a certain way. And I guessed right on a couple things. Most, excuse me, most things. And um, I left the theater just kind of, just, I wasn't really prepared for 
the things that Ryan does, the, even the small things that kind of just stuck out to me. I just was not ready or prepared for it. And I left very angry, very, very angry. I had to drive my, and this is like, I saw the nine o'clock PM showing and then on Thursday night, and then I had to drive my brother home an hour away and drive back home. And it was brutal. Uh, and the stew the whole way there and talking to him about it and then talking to my, my buddy Tim from the Saga Continues podcast on the way down. And I'm glad I, he, I talked to him because I probably would have died and fallen asleep and killed myself because I was so tired. <laughs> so that was good. So that was good. So I was just kind of in shock and in angry about it. And um, it was, it, yeah, it was a lot to take in. And I had bought tickets when, when my friend had bought his tickets for opening night and then I had bought tickets for the next day. I took the day off from work. And, um, I was kind of prepared, you know, I always, I did that for all the films. I, I would take the weekend off a day off and, and celebrate Star Wars. You know, my, my boss joked, it's a national holiday for me, you know? So, um, so I, but going into the next day, um, I was going to bed and I thought, do I even want to see this movie the next day? That's how bad it was. And I just, I didn't have any answers. So, so we're going to get into like what it was that caused that at first, because I know that there are several theories that you like had <laughs> that you kind of didn't want. Right. That, that's what I'm really curious about. Like, <laughs> okay. What changed? No, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. So, so basically I had to force myself, no pun intended, um, to go. To, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, I had, wow. I had to like, I was really, I just was not happy with a lot of things and I'll get to those things. Um, when I left, when I went in the second time, I liked it a lot more, a lot more, and I accepted a lot more. And the things that I left, it, it wasn't they weren't just story reveals. It was design decisions. It was pacing. It was humor. It was a lot of things I was not, I wasn't expecting. And you know, one of the, I, I guess the things that you know I think a lot of people have a problem with that I had a problem with at first that took a while of getting used to was Luke Skywalker's characterization. Um, mm. You know, I think Mark Hamill really tried to warn people about that, and I'm kind of glad he did. I have a lot of respect for Mark because he, yeah, I mean, he was trying to be nice and not spoil it, but he also was trying to warn everyone this was not what I was expecting, and it wasn't what I was expecting, and. You know, I, everything just was kind of like, that's what happened to Luke. And it was, it's like I said, it's a lot to take in. And I don't know if I've bought in 100%, but I'm like 60, 70% bought in, if that makes sense. Um, I'm bought in enough to like... Good for you, I think. No, I, I think so. Yeah, that's I, certainly like... That's all like said in a mean way. I like, when I was watching this movie, I was wondering how strong your feelings would be on certain things in it, because I knew you had strong feelings about, right. you know, things right. that were in it. Uh, the first time I watched it, a lot of times, I was honestly thinking, what is Paul going to say about this? What is Megan going to say about this? What are these two going to think about this part? <laughs> oh, man. Well, see, now we're going to find out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The Luke stuff, especially, made me realize what Mark Hamill had said when he talked about initially not enjoying or not thinking that what Ryan Johnson was doing was right. And then afterward changing his mind because partially because I think he came around to the character decisions in the same way that maybe we did. And partially because that's his job, right? As an actor, your job is to go with what the director says, but especially after seeing it, I realized exactly what those things were that I think 
he disagreed about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it's just funny because, you know, I, when I watched it the second time, I understood a little better. And I, I mean, cause here's the thing. I think grumpy Luke is not necessarily what I was angry about. I was more angry about just why he was there, you know, what caused him to do that? What caused him to throw away him trying to save the galaxy with his, you know, with a band of Jedi, even after Kylo, um, it was, it, it was, it was, yeah. it was here a, come the real spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think, I think the biggest thing for me was accepting the fact, or he's coming to terms with the fact that Luke, you know, thought about killing Kylo Ren. And, and I, and I know, yeah. I think that is one of the hardest things for me to still, and I'm still, I still want to see it in context of what the story is going to play out. I know they, they did a loose kind of explanation of there was darkness in his training. I, you know, all this stuff, but I think there's got to be more to it than that because I keep, I kept going back to the fact that this guy's like father was Darth Vader and he like did a way more awful things than Ben ever probably thought of in his head. But at the same time, you know, Luke went and, and knew there was still good in him. Why would he go and kill his nephew? Like, right. It just, it was, it's hard for me to come to terms with that. Now at the same time, well, the thing is in the end there, he didn't actually like, there's a difference between him having that moment of fear and like lighting the lightsaber and not doing it, like, realizing that's a bad decision and him actually trying to kill Ben and Ben, you know, reacting to that. There is a, there is a big difference between those two, which I think is a little important. Um, but yeah, it is, it's it's a hard thing to believe sometimes, like especially getting into the movie that that's something Luke would do. But on the other hand, it does go to show how hard it is to be that hero mm-hmm. and have that kind of legacy and that fear <laughs> because they've all seen what Vader and Palpatine did to the galaxy. Right. There's so much going on there. And I think there's kind of three different conversations happening at once in that moment. And maybe so maybe four Because one of them is just like how that makes you feel as a fan, right? Like for me after uh, Kylo Ren, like said that I was like nauseous. I was like, how can this character like Luke who means so much to me do this, terrible thing you know it's like holding a gun to a child it's it's abhorrent and then as the movie went on I kind of understood okay well Luke says it's it was a moment of weakness and I eventually came around to being fine with what they did with his characterization for several reasons and so there's I think there's three conversations there there's what happened in the um, the canon, the tie-in material, right? We've got like 30 years, maybe a bit exactly. less now that we've got some filled in with Battlefront 2. What happened there? There's also the conversation of what does this mean for the themes of The Last Jedi by itself? So, And one of the themes that a lot of people are talking about is failure. And like, is Luke seeing that? It, was that his grand failure, which he needed to recover from and accept? And like, I believe that it was. Then there's, what does this mean for Kylo Ren? What does this mean for, will he possibly be redeemed? And I don't, that that's, I don't have an answer to that. But that one moment where Luke, you see Luke with the green lightsaber, and he, he never brings out the green lightsaber again, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, that moment also, yeah, he like, doesn't ever want to touch it again after that. Yeah, I That's I a good imagine, point, yeah. Like, 
here I am as a fan rooting for like, oh, I want to see the green lightsaber like it's cool. But to Luke, it's disgusting. And the thing that brought me around to that was that lesson that Luke learned that was so powerful about the ability of a person, any person to fail. And that was very timely for, I think, fans. Well, I mean, I'll just say it was very timely for myself, for someone who's growing up kind of and steadily learning that things, you're not always going to do the right thing. So that was really important to me. And uh, all that to say, there's what what do you guys think is the most important part of this is it what happened to luke during the eu in canon or is it what does that moment mean to the last jedi as a story with themes in it i, I kind of look at it as both i think it's 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 like a because i think it's something that in 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 a vacuum or just isolated excuse me it's it's hard. It's just kind of it's hard to see like the context of everything. And just we're taking Luke's word for just the fact that like I I read his his evil mind. But you know I want to see what exactly in his training did he do? Did he almost kill Luke? I mean, did he almost kill one of his students? Where like Luke had to like you know you know defend him? I mean, there, there's a lot of I think really interesting story possibilities to dive into the psyche of uh, Ben Solo, who's probably maybe my all-time favorite Star Wars character. I'm waiting until 9 to, to fully <laughs> say that, but he's on his way. He's, like, at least, like, he's up there in the top two or three. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I mean, there's one, you could explore that psyche, and also, too, the psyche of, of Luke Skywalker and knowing that this guy potentially has to be like my father. And what what does that mean? Now, I think that with... That's what kind of the brilliance of what Ryan Johnson did. And I don't know if it was by, on purpose or by mistake, but that's kind of the, what I love about it is that it does open up more questions to me, at least the fact of what does it mean for him to, to confront Kylo Ren in his sleep and, and consider killing him in cold blood, igniting the lightsaber. And one of the things I think about it, and I think that everyone can relate to with Luke on this, not to that they would ever kill someone with a lightsaber in cold blood, but the fact that they made an awful mistake and that's something that, you know, like one of the things that I, he, he talks about and that later on Yoda touches on is the fact that he made, he did, he did something that's a failure that he feels immense shame for that he real and, and I love, and, and again, this is the brilliance of the movie. This is why I like the movie now. Like this is my favorite stuff. All Luke, Kylo and Ray stuff. I loved for the most part. And, um, one of the things that, you know, he says is that, and what I was left with was a frightened boy with his master who failed him because I don't think Luke's mm, wrong. I love that. Line. Yeah. It, he, Luke's not wrong. He's right. He failed him. He knows he did. And I think that Luke does have, has some responsibility for what he did, but Luke rec- recognizes that and understands that. And I, I don't know. I love, I, that's one of the only things that's keeping me on. Again, I say 70% in on this and that's because <laughs> of that idea of Luke isn't perfect. And just because we, it's almost like he, Luke is like always the everyman, you know, like in a new hope. That was the point. And I feel this kind of carries that on further. Like Luke could have been this legend. He could have been this deity of, of people and like come out like a wizard literally and like do all these wizardry things and throw out the green lightsaber and, you know, like he said, like, or laser sword and, and 
and take out the first order, but he doesn't because he's failed and he's failed himself most of all. And there's something very real and very honest about that that makes Luke even more relatable than ever. And I think that's why I bought into this more than uh, a lot of people who love Luke Skywalker. Like my friend John Beerley, he is devastated over his characterization. He is devastated. And I understand. Uh, I need to talk to John yeah, Beerley. Yes, you do. We never, yes, we never talk please, about we it. Please, talk to him immediately. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> I, I, and I'm being serious, talk to him right now. Text him right now. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that what works for me is the fact that Luke is is a regular human being. He's not a legend. He's not a force God already. He's, he's very much like on the same level as everyone else. And that's what makes him, I think a great character. And that's ultimately why I buy into Luke's characterization in this movie. I think a lot of this movie that I think kind of surprised people is that everyone acts very real and human. Um, Cause in previous Star Wars movies, everyone's kind of, you know, a bit overdramatic, a bit, a bit more like caricatures, I guess, even though they are three-dimensional characters, they're all quite easily recognizable archetypes in a lot of ways because it's Star Wars and it's a space opera. Um, In this movie, people do act a little bit more inconsistent to what we'd expect and like a little bit more, what's the word? Not difficult, but yeah, just different because they are making kind of more human choices and choices that like real people would like Luke igniting that lightsaber. The, the heroic Luke that we put up on our heads would never, never do that. But a real human Luke who's seen the trauma of Vader and sees the potential future trauma of another Vader and like what would happen to his sister and his family and even what would happen to Ben himself if he turns and how much that would hurt Ben. Like he potentially would lash out and have that moment of horror because, you know, he's human and everyone's scared of losing the things they love. Um, And like Ray as well, like the way that she gets frustrated with Luke because he doesn't help her and is basically like, okay, you're not going to help. Then obviously Kylo has to be the one that helps because she doesn't believe in herself. She's very much in the belief of, um, the heroes, you know, coming back and saving everyone. Yeah. So like someone else needs to help her. Yeah, yeah, and so, like, she even, when she, she doesn't ask Luke if he tried to kill Ben, she asks him if he created Kylo. Like, that's her first reaction, is that he created Kylo and brought this upon everyone. And then when she leaves, she says that Kylo is their only hope. Like, Ben is their only hope, so she has to go help him, because she doesn't believe that she's that person. And, like, I don't think she's entirely even drawn in by Kylo himself, she just thinks that... Ben is supposed to be the one because Luke won't do it and she can't do it. Um, And like every other character within the movie, like they all make terrible mistakes and terrible decisions, but they're also human in those decisions because in real life, we all make terrible decisions as well. And honestly, this movie, if it had gone perfectly, like if everyone had made good decisions and things had gone well, it it wouldn't be as fun. Like (laughs) it wouldn't be that great. Well, you bring up a great point is that, you know, that's, there has to be a reason. And I'm, I'm stealing this from other podcasts. This is not my original saying. I don't want to take credit for this. Someone, I, I want to say it was from the Wampers Layer podcast said, you know, we have, to, we have yet to really find, I think a valid reason maybe yet. And this is what I'm saying, not really what they're saying. But they kind of said something similar to this, that what's the reason for the sequel trilogy? You know, because Return of the Jedi is the definitive end to, you know, you could say a very definitive end. 
but what's why why you know besides money right besides what's the story reason to do this and to me the answer will be in episode nine because right now in seven and eight we just it's it's still unclear but I think it and I'm hoping it still continues to be Kylo because Kylo Ren to me is what's driving all of this and to me like you're talking about the decisions everyone's making Ben is literally the byproduct of terrible decisions. And stuff that affects him that he can't help as a, as a, as a boy coming to an age of a man. Like these are things that uh, these decisions affect him. You you can take responsibility for your actions, you know, but there was, you know, where he got there probably wasn't his fault necessarily. You know what I mean? He probably, cause we, we know that there was issues with Han, you know, he had mentioned in the force awakens, at least, you know, he would have disappointed you. So there's obviously disappointment there. And then Leia sounds like she sent him off to Luke because, you know, she didn't know how to handle him. I mean, I'm assuming that. And then you have Luke who then didn't know how to handle him either. And, you know, and put a lightsaber in front of his face in his sleep. I mean, we're talking about things that are super like are going to be heavy on someone. So he's, He's one sympathetic, and he's but he's also someone who just is tended to go to the dark side. So he's just immensely complex, distorted character that it's you know. You, but you're wondering what was is he the reason the, the sequel trilogy is made? And I think that like these decisions that they, everyone's made, that that to me is what, the reason I bring this all up is because what you said, Saf, everyone's bad decision making is the reason why we're having the sequel trilogy. Because I don't think it's about Ray. I think this is very much Kylo's trilogy, and I and maybe I'm just being biased because I freaking love Kylo Ren. But to me, like you nailed it, everyone's decision making is affecting Kylo, and now we're, you're reaping what you sow because of that reason. Even though Kylo has turned into a, an awful person, some of that goes, I think, on the parents and on the uncle for what he's dealt with. From what I see, again, maybe the, the extended material that we get later on will change that and we'll say, no, Ben's just an asshole. You know, I don't know. But I mean, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, it is the thing like there he does have kind of the legacy bearing down on him and he does find out later in his life like we still don't know how or when he finds out about vader because that doesn't get revealed in the novels um but he finds out at some point because leia hid it from him because she was scared of him knowing because he does have the dark side in him um he obviously has the light side in him as well because the movies say that he's being pulled by it um and i find him a very interesting character because he's kind of the mirror of anakin in that way he's trying very hard to be evil and to be the bad guy but he has that kind of like inner good pulling at him and he doesn't want that. Whereas Anakin was trying so hard to be the hero and the good guy. And he had that dark side pulling at him constantly. Um, and mm. I find Kylo very interesting in that way. I don't see Kylo being redeemed now, but I do find his character interesting. And I'm curious how his arc is going to end regardless, just because of the way he had a chance. He had a chance to make a good decision and go with Ray and try and fix things. And he went for power and destroying everything instead. Um, and he did turn away. And to, to be fair, he does have like his background reasons for going for that option. Exactly. To destroy the past and move ahead. Mm-hmm. Are fair, but he did have that choice and he went for the easy option but, of that choice. But why, but, um, but why would he want to go back and, 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 and again, like he sees Ray around the people that basically, you know, shunned him and like, made him who he is today essentially like that's what he's saying let the past die don't go back to it because it's the jedi it's the sith that created this whole mess in the first place and like and kylo is oh sorry paul no no no, 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 no. i've been talking a lot megan go you go ahead i'm sorry go ahead 
Kylo is clearly also looking for a teacher as much as Ray is. I think the moment that was very important to his story and to Ray's story, because Kylo can be a very the a point where I do disagree with you is that Kylo can be a very interesting, very complex villain while this still being Ray's story. I think this is Ray's story. But Kylo is also a good character. This is the moment where he has asked her to join him to be his, like, dark queen of the First Order. And they are, she's, like, staring at him, and it's that, like, Empire Strikes Back moment. And he says, please. And that's where I think you see that he is, A, very wounded himself, and B, not very convincing. Because that moment (laughs) makes him seem kind of sad and kind of like he's he's trying too hard right and but it's also a sympathetic moment it's interesting because um i i went to see this with one of my best friends on saturday and she came out of it saying she wished that kylo had been more sympathetic now she's not she's not like in the fandom she watched the force awakens and i don't know if she's seen a star wars movie since the force awakens came out but she's a very good judge of characters as in like she's a good writer and she had said she wishes that kylo was more sympathetic that he came across as too pathetic and not didn't have enough of an inner life for him to be sympathetic whereas i also understand whereas my feeling is more like you did get a lot to make you try to feel sympathetic for him you saw you know he was asleep when luke came at him with a lightsaber. Like, he was about as innocent as you can get. We haven't seen what Snoke did to him. Snoke clearly was in his life at some point before that, but we're not sure how. Um, And you see in the moments where he's talking to Snoke, where Kylo... Snoke hasn't been a great mentor. Like, Kylo says he gave everything to Snoke, and Snoke is very willing to punish Kylo. And you know that Kylo is going to come crawling back if, if Rey hadn't kind of intervened and if Snoke hadn't put Rey in danger Kylo would have I think stayed loyal to Snoke so I do think there's some sympathy there I don't know so it's been interesting seeing the the both sides of that I think they did a really good job of making him sympathetic without making him justified and that's one of the things that I really liked about this movie that it did in a couple places it did things that I didn't really want it to do including the shade the like shading of Luke's characterization and so much focus on Kylo I didn't really want either of those things but I turned out to really like the way they did them because to me, the tone of the movie was such that you could feel, you could understand what was going on with both of them, but also understand that the narrative was not condoning their actions. The narrative was condoning, first Ray did the hero thing, she did the Luke Skywalker thing, where she ran off while her mentor was telling her not to, and she went to say what what she thought was saving her friend, saving Kylo from the dark side, turned out to be sort of a bad idea for both of them, but that's what she thought she was doing. And then she kind of like found herself in that moment. I think when Kylo tells her who her parents are and when she decides not to join him, she really became more of herself because she says herself that she 
doesn't know what she wants or she's hesitant when Luke asks her what she's looking for. She says it's this feeling. I don't know what it is. And I think it can be argued that that feeling is either the force, like in a magical sense, or it's just, she's a lonely young adult who's looking for an answer about who her family is. She got that answer and therefore she was sort of actualized in that moment and became more of herself. And I, I really want episode nine to be about Ray kind of embracing her force teachings, embracing a newfound direction. And I don't know whether Kylo's redemption fits into that direction or not, but I'm, I'm again, still kind of, I don't really have skin in that game. I'm willing to see what JJ <laughs> Abrams gives to us in that. Yeah. Same. I definitely, uh, I'm not sure I completely agree with your friend on making Kylo more sympathetic. I do think I agree that he is quite pathetic. Um, not in a bad way, but like, yeah, there is a lot more of him being more desperate than, um, uh, just kind of sad, I guess. Uh, one thing I find interesting about Kylo, and I'm going to bring this into like wider world stuff in a moment just because I can, but he he's quite manipulative in this movie. Like he does try and break down Rey and telling her she's nothing and nobody wants her and she's not in the story to try and convince her to go with him because he does need someone and she's the only person who's actually listened to him before. But he doesn't try and talk to her in like an equal way. He does try and break down her defenses to get her to agree. And that doesn't work, but he he's not exactly a great person. And I imagine a lot of that came from Snoke as well, because Snoke seems very manipulative. Uh, but Kylo kind of reflects the worst of, like, in real world, like, the way... Like, there are guys who are sad and alone, and they will use actions like that to try and get people to talk to them and be friends with them and go out with them. And you can look at their past and see how they got there and why they think like that, but it's still not acceptable behavior. Of course. And I find Kylo interesting in the way that he's obviously a victim of some kind of childhood trauma. Like his uncle almost like thinking his uncle wanted to kill him, his family not telling him the truth about his lineage uh, having to grow up like with that family who probably have a lot of stuff going on. Um, like he's, he's, he's come from a cycle of violence because of his parents growing up in that war and the galaxy recovering from that. And he's kind of just moved into that because he knows about Darth Vader and he was learning about lightsabers, like violence and using those kinds of things kind of just came with him growing up, I think. Um, and he's an example of how, you know, toxic masculinity and the way kids are raised in the world, in the real world, and the way men are treated when they are hurt and they're broken and they're desperate, they don't have anywhere they can really turn to that isn't toxic for them. Um, like, on in the real world, men will turn to the internet where toxic people will prey on them to turn them into awful people. And Kylo, I think, kind of that was Snoke. He didn't know where else to go. Snoke was willing to take this boy with this power and turn him into a weapon. And Kylo is an awful human being, and I do not condone his actions at all. But I think when we talk about him, like, in general, within the fandom and the world, it's important to also look at, like, how he became that Mm. and how we can see that from happening to other people within Star Wars and within the real world itself. Because just saying we want Rey to kill him or something like that isn't going to stop this from happening again and again. There needs to be a breakdown of how men become like this and how to help them from being that alone and that broken 
And I think this movie, in a way, kind of tries to tread that line between Ray trying to help someone who is alone and she can feel that he needs somebody to help, but it also not being her job to fix him because she does step away at the end when he's like, come with me, I need you. She's like, no, I have to live my own life and do my own story. And also your idea is terrible kind of thing. Um, (laughs) I don't don't, don't remember those lines. I really enjoy how the movie (laughs) did that because – yeah, for me, it doesn't feel like a romance at all between them. I know it does for other Absolutely, people, but yeah. I didn't see that at all because Ray, it felt it felt very familiar to me because I've had a lot of male friends go through awful things and reach out to me for help. And there is a point you reach where you want to help them, but you can't anymore. Even with like any friends, any people in your life, yeah. even if they're not people you know very well, like you can want to help them because you can see how much they hurt and how much they need it and that they're heading in a bad direction. But looking after yourself is still more important. And I kind of appreciate that that the story, even though this isn't at all what this movie is about, I kind of liked being able to see those things within it. Well, to me, I think that's what the movie is about. I think that the movie is yeah. is, 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 is about... Ray Johnson intended all of those, like, real-world implications that I gathered into this, but yeah, I... Yeah, yeah I, I think... And that's... I think that's... A, this is why I like and, and, and borderline love the movie, is because this is the stuff that, like, it like gets me, and this is the stuff that is worth talking about, because again, I, again, I I think Kylo is is extremely sympathetic, and and maybe I don't know why, because you know you said it best, Seth, that he has he has childhood trauma somewhere, and you know besides, I think it's besides what Luke just trying to potentially kill him in his sleep, you know, or whatever that whole situation was, and I think that Kylo Ren is like a lot of things he says, like it, it's you know and. and, and I, you have to look at this movie like also with The Force Awakens, right? Because the whole time he's trying to be dark. Like, you know, he's trying, like, but he's naturally pulled to the light. Where, like, you were kind of talking about, I don't know, Seth, I think you said that Anakin's like the opposite. He's, he's, he's trying to be light, but he's being pulled to the dark. Whereas I think he's trying to be dark and he's being, Kylo's trying to be dark, he's being pulled to the light. And he's doing yeah, everything. Yeah, which we saw in Force Awakens right. as well. Yeah, and I think that's continuing here. And I think that he's so, and, and again, the confliction never goes away. You know, he has, he has moments of pure rage, but he never, he hasn't gone over, like, I think that he's, he's um, unsalvageable in that, in that way, if that makes any sense, and redeemed. I'm not sure what redeemed means. In in the sequel trilogy, mm. but I, I like I said, what does that mean? Because I think we get a hint of that in the throne room, which we'll get to the specifics of that amazingness later. But um, but you get a hint of them being together that he is he can do the right thing. It's in him, and that, like I said, I think I honestly think when he's talking to Ray. I don't. I don't sense any kind of romantic tension between them. It's very platonic, and I think what 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 he's loving about Ray is not that it's, there's romance, but that there's someone just like him that he's alone, that he feels yeah, lost. Yeah, they've both been abandoned. Exactly, they're way. both abandoned in some yeah. way. Good. I I will like my thought about whether or not that's read as romantic has always kind of been, I don't read it as romantic now at all, but I think if I had seen this movie when I was 13, I would ah, have. But, yeah, that's yeah. Just yeah, like, but that's down to like, that's a preference, not like a, that's not an analytic decision. Right. right? right like yeah, yeah. I can see like, if you want to be into that, like fine. But 
I'm also, but now, like, I don't think it was intended in the film. No, I do wonder about uh, the sort of vulnerability that we see in Kylo and whether it would have been handled differently if Ray was a male character. Mm. I think. I definitely think so because. Wow. It's, I mean, I would have loved it if Ray, like, I would have hated Ray being a man, but, like, I would have loved to see this yeah, kind like of dynamic I, I, with, a ma- with two male characters happening yeah. because that would have been quite different and really cool because yeah, and it's, it's like, like two men being vulnerable with each other as main characters of a movie. And oh, I that would have been so cool. Ray, I don't think Ray should have been a man. I just tend to, when I try to think about, like, whether the how I feel about the gender dynamics of something, I think that's a useful exercise sometimes to say what would this feel like if it was different, if it was switched, or how do I think this would have been directed I, if the genders were switched or were yeah. different in some way? I thought the same thing. I think thing. it would have been directed differently, but I would have loved to see the exact same thing. I wondered what I almost kind of wish they were reversed in the role as far as like that Kyla was a female and, and Ray was a male. Because I love that I just I don't know I, I think that be so, we haven't seen a bad guy you know lady ever and it would have been mm, really be cool or it, they could both be ladies well right or whatever yeah it, but see what I'm saying like I just I, I thought about that and how di- how the dynamic of that would be well how would that be different in that if you switch the genders around completely that you know the you know man this guy was was he the, the well, they, they, well, they handle it the same way. I don't know. But I, I, I thought it would have been really cool to have a female, if Kylo was a female character, um, you know, because it just, it, again, we haven't seen that in Star Wars because obviously Kylo Ren is very reminiscent and a byproduct of Darth Vader. So it's like, you know, I don't know. But whatever. I I think that with this, when, when I, one of the things, I, I, one of the strengths of this movie, which I was surprised about, was in, in not knowing anything that was going to happen, was the fact that Ray and Kylo Ren have like even though they're they're you know forever apart, they have they're talking in, into each other. And even though like I, I have to admit, when they touch hands, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like it's a little as I'm like, but but I'm it's one of my favorite moments of the movie actually. And in and you could almost sense, I almost thought, are they going for the rom- romance angle here? But it wasn't. And what was so beautiful about it was with the direction and how there was no, like, like there wasn't any love, like, romance in their faces. It was more just, like, there was, like, a closeness there. And then the Force theme plays when they touch, that kind of blew my mind. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Because that started to make me think, what else is this implying? But... What I love about it was, are they implying that there's a team-up happening? Like, you know, in the Poe Dameron comic, uh, Laura Santeca says that there's, um, he's, there's like, he's going back in the prophecies of how light and dark are not polar opposites, but they're actually the same thing, and they could potentially work together. And, I, and he talked about that. I'm not sure if that's how connected that is, but I like the idea that maybe that, you know, Snoke references Ray as being this lights user counterpart to, to Kylo Ren and that he knew the force would do that to him or would bring up someone with a light force, which, which I would love to, love to get into later as well. But um, what's interesting is I'm thinking, does this mean that like Ray and Kylo could be worked together? Not again, not in a romantic relationship in besides the throne room scene, but I'm talking about like, could they potentially work together in episode nine even though, despite where, where it's left off, what does that mean? And mm. when, do you want to hear like a really whack theory that I have? Yeah, go this? for it. Go for it. 
Yes. Okay. Um, one of my friends in real life told me this, like suggested this, and I kind of just ran with it. Um, that Snoke comes back to life, um, and like he he reforms himself somehow. And the reason he's so disfigured is because he does just kind of get killed by people every now and then, and just kind of revives himself and kind of comes back together. Um, and then Ray and Kylo have to team up team up to take him out. And then yeah. That would be really cool if he came back and was just real messed up. That's but also, I doubt that would happen. Snoke theory. Yeah. Yeah. No, See, I finally came up with a good one. I, I, I you know, I, I'm fine with with, <laughs> with 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 the death of Snoke. I actually thought it was. Oh, I love his death so. Much. It was amazing. I really love that. It's so good because my favorite thing about that is that the movies and the expanded universe and everything never built Snoke up to be an important character in the entire legacy of Star Wars. Fans did that. Fans picked out Snoke and were like, he's someone mm. important. He's important. And over the last two years, fans have been growing their speculation for him more and more. And this movie came along and was like, nah, we never said he was an important character. He's out. He was just there as like a backdrop <laughs> for the main antagonist. But we all knew that Kylo was a real antagonist, right? And so, yeah, like, Looking through marketing and everything, there's nothing ever being like, who's Snoke? What's Snoke's thing? Everybody just latched onto him as fans. Yeah. That's a good point. And I think the criticisms about Snoke, um, a a lot of people are saying that Snoke wasn't explained sufficiently or that he didn't have a big enough role. That makes me think of... You you could... Emperor, rather. Oh, sorry, what? Neither was the Emperor, though. Exactly. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. You could say the same thing about the Emperor, and then it took so many years to get for him to be explained. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like, Star Wars fans are really used to knowing everything by this point, largely because we had Legends, which did tell us kind of way too much about the universe. Um, and we've also got the six previous movies. And the original trilogy has the prequels now to give us background information that we now know all the stuff about the original trilogy that we we didn't have originally whereas the sequel trilogy this one that we have now doesn't really have that stuff we aren't far enough in the future that they've built out this universe this part of the universe that we have all the trivia and we know everything because they don't have all the answers and obviously they're not going to do that because that's that's a dumb way to tell the story anyways and i think a lot of people are getting lost in the fact that this is for one thing the second movie in a trilogy it's the middle movie of a trilogy um and it's also like (laughs) A trilogy. It's its own movie series. It's not like, even though it's part of the main saga, it's still telling a new and different story. Um, and I think we as fans are sometimes a little too used to everything being connected and everything being explained. Like, people are still mad that Luke's lightsaber doesn't get explained and, telling, and saying it's a plot hole for The Last Jedi. You know, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter how Mars got the lightsaber. It just, it just matters it's there. Um, and same kind of with Snoke. Like, it, for these movies, it doesn't matter who he is. It's not important to the story. At some point, we'll probably find out, but for now, it literally does not matter, especially now he's dead. Like, who cares? Well, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that times have changed, and I've seen people, you know, get, I, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in this, <laughs> I'm not in this to tell fans that you're, you can't want more, you can't want this, you can't do this, or you shouldn't say this, or, you know, I, whether it's, it's, you know, for Snoke theories or against Snoke theories or against Snoke and for Snoke and we didn't get, you know, I'm not here to tell, I, I have my own opinions and that's all that matters, but I'm not going to tell anyone like what they think. And I, I, you're not doing that sap, but I'm saying like in general, it's like, I, I understand where people want more information about Snoke. I totally get it. Like he's an interesting character. I think 
Like, from The Force Awakens, he wasn't that interesting. He was just, like, a mysterious character that that made him in a, in and of itself interesting, right? But actually, now, The Last Jedi, I'm like, okay, he's even more intriguing to me because he's one, he's dead. I am, yeah, really he, curious who he is, but he, I know that it's not meant for the movies. But, yeah, no, I, like, I totally understand what I to know, and I'm super keen, like, when it eventually comes out, like, the Darth Plague is this trilogy, it will probably be the Snoke story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost, it feels like that. And I think... And here's the thing. I think because back in the day, like, there, I saw something saying, like, well, it's a shame we didn't get, you know, no one complained about the Emperor's backstory in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. It's like, well, you know, that was a different time. You know, back then, people... Yeah, frankly, someone probably did. Well, and, and, and you know what? Yeah. I was just going to say, That's Lucas... Time. People do watch movies differently now, but that's exactly. not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing to say about a movie. Right. It can also be a bad thing about communities who watch movies because right. expecting like like a, like in The Force Awakens when people get mad about Mars having the lightsaber, I'm like, do you really expect this movie to go on a 10-minute tangent to explain in detail how the lightsaber got here? Because right. it, that's stupid. Like, that's really stupid. And going on some, like, tangent in this movie about like, Snoke going on about, like, where he came from and how he's here and everything would have just been kind of dumb. Um, I totally and, agree. Yeah, like, I, I definitely understand people wanting to know because Star right. Wars has... I have it now of telling people things, but I do think it's not necessarily the movie's fault. I 100% um, if, agree with if that. Now, I do think that is that we as audience members do need to check our expectations. I mean, I don't say that about myself because I don't have expectations for anything pretty much, but it, <laughs> that's, that's something I've seen coming out of reactions from this movie, especially people who've seen it a second time and hated it the first time. A lot of them are saying that expectations and like building up what they thought the movie should be was part of the reason that they didn't enjoy it the first time. And I do think that's something that we're going to have to learn <laughs> to do better when more and more Star Wars movies come out. Cause if this keeps happening, it's not going to be fun for anyone. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, I, I think the one thing that what I want to see happen is just like, is if they're going to, if they're not going to explain in a movie, which I totally get, it's just like eventually, you know, have give us some hints in, in the you know ancillary material that we know that they want to come out. They've been very secretive about it, and, I, and I'm not like mad about the Snoke thing because now that they killed him. I know he does. He's not that pivotal to the story, but I am. Very, I mean, but he, he interests me like crazy, and I hope they put a book out within the year that's kind of like a, a, a like a Dark Plagueis style book. Like, because again, the the Sith were destroyed. And so how did Snoke become this powerful? Is he human? Is he, in, you know, what, what is he? He's not human. I'm pretty sure they say he's not human at don't, some point. Don't, don't, I haven't had the divisional dictionary yet. Haven't read it. And I'm no, not, no, no. They said this like last year or something. This is old news. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, either, either. <laughs> this is not from the Vistics. Okay. I haven't even uh, seen that yet. Okay. Cause I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read it yet. And I'm waiting for Christmas. So, um, so I'm trying to avoid as much as I can. I know people are like, Snoke stuff revealed. I'm like, don't tell me. Um, so, um, no, I, I think that Snoke is, he's more, it's funny. He's more intriguing to me that he's dead now than he was, would be alive. I mean, I would be intrigued. Yeah, I, I would not care about Snoke if he was still alive and kicking and just some vaguely evil bad guy. But the fact that he was evil and very powerful and he's now dead is very cool to me. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's something very Wait, fascinating his about coolness it. Coolness quotient increases now that he's dead. <laughs> it's, you always get and the way he dead. died was just so good because it, it both shows like the downfall of the dark side, or at least the big dark side villains, is always their arrogance and expecting things to go the way they see it and the way they expect it to go. They never 
rely they never think that you know empathy or people like will not will, will kind of like not straight up lie to them but will not be honest with them completely because of empathy and caring for other people and that keeps happening that happened to the that happened to the emperor he didn't expect vader to actually help luke uh happened to snoke he didn't expect kylo to help ray um love that it reflects that and how much the dark side just has this arrogance gets him killed but it also shows how good at manipulation kylo is getting because he you can see yeah he like tilts his lightsaber and everything so that snoke does think he's going to kill ray like he specifically thinks about it in a way and presents in his mind in a way that snoke doesn't expect him to kill snoke um and i love that because it's both snoke being bad at what he's doing but kylo being really good at what he's doing and it's a little bit terrifying seeing that Kylo can do that. But also, it was just a great scene. Like, every time I see it in cinemas, people gasp. It's so good. I think I, like, I almost choked because I gasped so hard because I was not expecting that. Yeah, that was nuts. Straight up nuts. <sighs> yeah, and it was, it was definitely wild that that happened so soon mm-hmm. because, yeah, I, I did not expect it. I think that goes into there's been a lot of praise for Adam Driver and I think he was very good in this movie. Mark Hamill was also very good. Yeah. I the way um the sort of range he had, the way his voice changed as he became sort of more hopeful was I thought really impressive. Yeah, Luke's arc in this was like so well done. Even if he, even if Hamill had misgivings about the character, he put us all into this character, and I am so impressed by how amazing his acting was. He just enraptured me with his acting. Um, so speaking of characters dying, we do get Luke's death in this movie right at the end. He kind of just goes into the Force while looking at a binary sunset, which just literally only one thing has made me cry. Okay, two technically. I did tear up at um, Leia at the end of Rogue One after Carrie died. But for Star Wars, just pure Star Wars in general, this is the one thing that's ever made me cry. Seeing him with the with the binary sunset just fading into the force and I had this realization of how far Luke has come and everything that's happened to him and Leia and Han and everyone else in, in these movies. And it just hit me so hard how much I love Star Wars and how much I love these characters. Um, and it sucks to have Luke die, but also I feel like we might see his force ghost in the next movie. So I haven't quite, you know, like put the rest in my heart yet. Yeah, like, you you don't get rid of Mark Hamill, like, acting this well as Luke. Mm-hmm. Just And also, they introduce Yoda as a Force ghost, which I think might be, like, being like, Force ghosts exist in this trilogy, so mm. that when Luke turns up one, it makes sense. But also, yeah. Anyways, before we move on to Yoda, what did you both think of Luke dying and his final confrontation with Kylo? Man, this is exactly what I did not want to happen, and just, like... With Darth Maul's death in uh, Twin Sons, which was obviously a different case because he's died three times now. <laughs> I was very, uh, so I was afraid that I would like be a wreck after this movie. Basically, if I was going to brace for Luke to have a violent death, for it to be the way Han died, where Kylo or Snoke or whoever is kind of displaying their villainy, and for it to be a shock and to be played as oh no, this villain is really a bad person for real. Like, they've killed Luke Skywalker now. Turns out, I I was sort of unambitious in that Luke's death was going to be on Luke's terms. And I came out definitely kind of, like, 
loving Star Wars, kind of going, this is why I like these things. This series has grown with me. This series has given me this character in Luke who is so sort of such a thing for me to lean on. And when they showed that he was a force projection, I kind of went, oh, this is what they're doing. Okay, I I get it. I I know, you know, you know what's going to happen once it comes back to the island. Um, But because his death was so, it was framed as a triumph, not a violence. And the more I think about it, the more I love how it was all essentially a mind trick. It was that very first trick that Obi-Wan ever showed him was an illusion. And here Luke is using this incredibly powerful illusion. And I don't doubt that he could have stood there and taken the fire from the AT-ATs in person. But he didn't need to, because what he really needed to do was let the resistance escape. And the end filled me with this sense of, like, comfort almost, of I expected to have been slapped in the face by this. I expected the movie to kind of tell me what I think it told, I think some Han Solo fans reacted like this. Like, your era is over and your heroes are going to be steamrolled by this new, these new characters and not like, or rather I'll specify these new villains. I don't think there's a tension between the old trilogy and the, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. I think they're fine, but like literally Kylo kills Han. So yeah. <laughs> I, I expected that. And when I didn't get that, I was instead left with this trust, this feeling of, okay, Lucasfilm and Ryan Johnson are not going to, torture Luke Skywalker. They're going to give him the the send-off that where it feels like he knows it's time. Yeah. And I know some people are kind of like pissy about it because like they're like, why did he die? He didn't have to die. He could have just kept going. And on one hand, like in the real world, yeah sure Luke could have stuck around and done things, but he did he can still stick around now. Like he's not truly gone now that he's moved into the force. Like he tells Leia that nobody's really gone. Um, and as Carrie Fisher said, uh, like I think on Twitter, like nothing's really over. It's just over there. Um, mm. Luke's like <laughs> he, and, and there's also the foreshadowing early on when Kylo talks to Ray through like the force, whatever early on, and he's trying to figure out how she's there. And he says that the effort of her trying to protect herself there would kill her. So he dismisses that as a thing. So we know. Oh, that's right. That. Good call, yeah. Seth. So yeah. There's a foreshadowing saying I that this is a really hard that. thing to do. And Luke is exhausted after that. So it's entirely possible that he did just use up pretty much the rest of his life force going to see Leia and going to help the rebellion for the last time um, before moving into the force. And it's, I find it such a beautiful moment because it, feels like he's finally come to peace with the force and his place in the force after years of struggling with his failure and the Jedi legacy and all of that stuff. And at the end, he says like the the Jedi aren't over. He's not the last Jedi and you see Ray. And I love that because so many people went into this movie thinking that, yeah, the Jedi are finally over. They're the worst and they're finally going to end. And I was like, Nana, just you wait. This isn't going to be the end of them. And I'm so happy that the end Luke comes around and he's like, because Luke's Jedi, at least the way he sees the Jedi in the original trilogy, isn't what we know of the Jedi in the prequels. He doesn't, he has that hope that we all have as kids that our heroes are real heroes and they're good people and they're filled with light. 
And he moves on to try and do that, but he has, you know, the legacy of Vader and expectations and everything on him that makes it really hard to fill that. And Ray kind of doesn't have that baggage. She can just kind of take what she's learned from Luke, both the good and the bad, and what she's learned from Leia even, and Han, and move on with that and make her own Jedi. And she doesn't really have any bad things to... (laughs) She doesn't really have the legacy of the bureaucratic and bad Jedi because everyone's kind of dead from that. Um, and Well, Luke yeah, was too. He didn't have Luke that. Was, he did have Obi-Wan and Yoda around who did know that stuff. Um, so he wasn't entirely free. But he rejected it though too, remember? Like they all said, you have to kill him. Even Yoda in his infinite wisdom was like, you have to face Vader. And he's like, you're still good in him. And they're like, he's... he's he, he says that about the Jedi himself. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Self and he gets mad about that in this movie. I know, which is ironic. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it was just him finding a reason to blame the Jedi for everything going wrong because he kind of needed to put the blame somewhere. And the exactly. Jedi were mm-hmm. And Ray kind of helps him come back from that and yeah. i'm just eternally glad that the jedi is still around and kicking in their own way because i love the jedi and yeah. same, same. it's also so hard to be like fully upset at luke's death because he's just part like he moved on to the force like just like obi-wan did um mm-hmm. it's hard to be like luke's gone now he's never gonna come back he's just oh. totally dead like he's around he's blue now i i think that the the great callback to the projection later. I didn't even think about that just till now. Um, the very, and the one thing I, I give Ryan Johnson a lot of credit on and is how he handled Luke Skywalker because he did the, he did something that was, takes a lot of goal to, you know, basically say like, no, I'm going to do it my way and do it a way that's not going to be predictable. And it was very unpredictable of what he did. Uh, it was the whole projection thing. You know, I want to give you know kind of credence to what you were saying, Saf, is that you know he he did this you know you know cross from forever, and he's not only draining his own life force. One thing that Lucas talked about, and I'm sure this kind of go, this is still something they probably consider, but he talked about that. When you don't use the force, it's like atrophy. It's like when you don't, if you don't use your hand, you don't move it, your, your hand becomes contracted in the, in the same spot that you, you do or you have your hand in. Like you can't just, you know, not move something and expect it to move it and be normal, right? 
And that's the same thing with the force, he said, is that it's a lot like a- uh, atrophy. Whoa, it's a lot of banging. Um, and to me, it's okay, don't worry about it. And it was the, background sound. It's all good, man. Um, but yeah, so the atrophy, I think, is what's playing into the, what's going on uh, with Luke when he's so when he's projecting himself, he's been shut himself. He shut him. He shut himself off from the force that he basically is. You know, not ex- he's, he doesn't. You barely use it. So the fact he's doing this all right. You know, projecting himself, he uses everything in him. So I, I think I want to give you know more credence to what you're saying. Like, yeah, he drained everything, and plus he hadn't used the force extensively in a long, long time. So um, yeah, I, or, you know, when I say use the force. I mean like do something really crazy like that. If he was doing that on a regular basis, yeah, he wouldn't obviously die. I have a few problems with that scene, not with the fact that Luke's a projection, but some of the things that happen, like he doesn't tell the resistance, like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, we're like, I'm going to give you a distraction. He just goes out there and Poe, like, is basically giving exposition, like, he's giving us a chance. It's like, uh, I, I didn't really like that. I, I, could, I felt Luke could have told him and that would have been fine. I also hate it, and I still hate the brushing of the shoulder. I hate it. Oh, I hate I it. So it's much. so bad. No, and it's bad. Thoughts were this is too much. I'm just gonna go with it. It's <laughs> I, I, like a friend of mine at work said, "What is he gonna do? Dab next?" I mean, like that's essentially what. Like I, that's exactly what I thought. Like what? That's so ridiculous. Who? Luke would never do that. I don't know. It's it's that that what looks like. Such a little sassy brat. It reminds me of the moment in Jabba's palace where he very dramatically takes his hood off to just stare. And I feel like Luke it's not is so dramatic. It's not as like unique a gesture. It, mm. it was definitely a little, you know, it was comedic. But I do you, feel like Skywalker drama is strong. Wait, wait, wait hold on. Out, like that's so like over dramatic, sassy Luke. Hold on, you think when he took his hood off from Jabba's palace, that was dramatic? Like he was being like dramatic? I think he was just being. Really a, being I think he's just being a total like awesome like radical dude. Like he's like, "What up, dude? Here I am. I'm gonna like. I'm not afraid of you. Like that was awesome." It's not exactly comparable, but in both, you could say that about both cases. I think you could what? say his shoulder. No way. Could have been an intentional gesture. Oh. I'm not going to die mean, on this hill. Sure but. Really like the thing of like, you didn't even hurt me. Like it's just a way to be like. Oh, it's, so it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll have to move on. We're I can't. On yeah, we're never agree on this one. Um, one that we haven't talked about yet. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sav. Yeah, I was going to move into something we haven't talked about yet. That is very important. Which is. Um, Ray's lineage. Is that what you were going for? Just Ray in general, but yes. I mean, that we can talk about that as well. I mean, Ray is amazing. I love her so much. But her lineage is something that was very hotly debated before this movie came out. I like the fact that I've been right the entire time about where she came from. Um, I am sorry, Paul, for her not being a Skywalker, though. That's fine. It's, it's whatever. How do you actually... About this now that it's actually happened in the movie. Well, as you probably, if you've seen my Twitter the last six months, I've started coming to terms with that's probably where they're going with it. And uh, even though I don't want it to happen, um, it's it's whatever. I have some issues with it, only not because like I think it's a, it's a terrible decision. I just think if they're going to do it, they got to do it the right way. 
Like, this is something I, I thought about. Like, it's weird how they're, they they try to make it seem like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, she knew who her parents were the whole time. But And I, and I, was, I was debating with this with, with people the other day um, on Twitter. Um, you know, she says, you know, show, show me who my parents are. And then Kylo says, I know who your parents are. And then later he says, you always knew who your parents were. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why did she go down in the ice or the, the water cave and ask the, the black mirror, like, what are, who her parents were? That doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm like, that's inconsistent. And so I... I, I have I, you ever had repressed memories, Paul? Yeah. I don't think it's so much a narrative inconsistency as it's possible to hold both mm. the idea of of her parentage in her mind as well as being uncertain about it at the same time. I, I, I leave that to... I, I, there's I, a lot of denial in her. Possibly. To possibly. It wasn't true as well. And also, I do think it may have been repressed because I can tell you, repressed memories, you definitely don't know they exist until I come back and you're like, wow, that's a thing. Um, so it's entirely possible that her having that like connection with Kylo and also the mirror mm-hmm. did bring back her actual memories of who her family were. And before then, she had just repressed it and crushed it down so far that she didn't know and she was looking for it in other people. And then it gets brought back out. And you can see how much, like how hard it is for her to say it herself. It's not something that comes easily to her and that she's like, yeah, they were nobody. I've known this the whole time kind of thing. It's like she struggles mm. with it. Well, I, I think that's good. I, I still think it's inconsistent and I don't like it. Like I wish they'd be was kind of more heavy handed with it instead of like tiptoeing around it a bunch. Also, if she is this true Ray Rando person, and I love the fact that like they have to make her equally powerful as Kylo to make her significant because they, you know, Snoke says, oh, I knew that a dark sider was going to, you know, or a light side user was going to rise when Kylo Ren's power came up. I'm like, well, if anyone can be the hero, which is the whole point of Ray Rando, then why are you trying to make her on the same level as everybody else too? Like that to me doesn't, I mean, I'm not saying like, I don't want her to be, but it's like, if you're telling a story of anyone could be a hero, then she should be literally a nobody and barely pick up a lightsaber. Cause the whole point is for her to eventually take down the bad guy. Right? So this is where my frustrations come into you know come into play. It's like you want your cake and eat it too. You want her to be some rando, but yet you want to make her as powerful. So you just you know, am I making sense? Am I being harsh? Like help me out here. But also like when the original trilogy came out, Luke was a rando and he was quite powerful. He wasn't a rando though. That's my point. I know, but when it came out, he was like that was the point of him is that he's a farm boy and anybody can be that, right? And he does pretty much what Ray does. He just kind of comes from nowhere. He doesn't even have fighting experience, but he kills people with lightsabers and, like, he makes that shot for the Death Star. He doesn't actually use a lightsaber in New Hope. Technically. Oh, no, he doesn't. But he does use it later on. He's not bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) And he was a pop. But, like, I do think that, like, I do kind of agree in this movie, like, Ray does. She doesn't struggle with the Force that much in this movie, but I think this movie wasn't about her struggling with the Force. Exactly. Mm -hmm. She'll find struggles with it there. Um, her struggling with the force and lightsabers in this film would have been kind of tedious considering where they are and what her personal growth had to be. Um, and I mean, it makes sense in the long run for her to be able to fight and stuff. Like she's part of this universe that's messed up and everyone's struggling. And she's just one of the people that does have to struggle to survive. So of course she knows how to fight. She can fix stuff, that kind of stuff. Like everything she does makes sense except for force stuff, which you can kind of, wave away because it's force stuff, whatever the force <laughs> stuff are. And I, I do think that it's going to be more, like, force struggles for her in the next movie, mm-hmm. now that it be less to fit in, and I think that's probably something that J.J. will do. 
well, uh, hopefully. But I, I do agree with you in some ways, and I disagree with you in others. Of that right, fair enough. That, that makes sense. Anyway, Megan, what do you think? Sorry. Um, I don't think that that line is meant to be taken quite as literally as you're taking it, Paul. I don't think it's like Kylo Ren has 10 force points and Rey has 10 force points. I think it goes more into that she is... That's sort of the role of the hero, right? Like, let's take it outside of Star Wars and, like, Lord of the Rings is the ultimate story where the whole, like, the whole point is that the hero is kind of nobody. And um, Frodo is, I think Frodo needs to be literally carried more than Ray does, but say Sam, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a character who defeated the, like, last bastion of the Dark Lord, and he's just a guy. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that you necessarily, like, I see where you're getting that equation from what Snoke said, but I don't think it necessarily has to be, like, a one-to-one comparison. It's more... She was, well, like, now we're going back to that original blurb from the A New Hope novelization. They happened to be in the right place at the right time, so naturally they became heroes. Right. No, and here's the thing, and I, I want to be very clear to you two and the audience that I'm just venting at this point. So I want to make sure that's very clear <laughs> that, like, you guys know that I'm just, I'm getting it out because I'm frustrated that where they're taking Ray as a character, because it's not what I want, okay? Now... Is it going to mean, is it, does this mean that I think the character sucks or I don't like the character? No, I actually do like the character Ray. I think this movie specifically, though, like, I just didn't feel like the movie was really about her. Like, I felt like she was a big part of it, but I, again, I feel like this, and again, maybe it's my own, my own biases that I feel like it's, it's more of Kylo's story. And no, I do. I do kind of feel that. My third time watching it, I did struggle a little bit with how little it feels like. Ray's story, she does make a lot of pivotal decisions that don't mm-hmm. feed your character a lot. And I yes. love the stuff with her going down to the force, uh, the force mirror and stuff, and like her trying to learn force that mirror. thing. I love um, that. The force mirror. I don't know what else to call that thing. No, it's awesome. It's great. I, I said black mirror, but yeah. force mirror is perfect. But you guys have the force mirror and everything. Like, I love all that stuff, and I wish this movie had had more of that. And it's mm-hmm. entirely yes. possible it did originally, but then it ended up being too long and it had to be cut. Um, I am like. It's so weird because before this movie, I honestly didn't care about JJ directing the next movie. Like, I had no strong feelings about it at all. After watching this movie, I'm really, really excited to see where JJ takes mm. this and goes with his film. Because as much as, like, you can say whatever about the Force Awakens story, but you cannot say anything bad about the way that JJ can direct people. Yes. He is so good at working with actors. And the way he directs Daisy Ridley as mm-hmm. Ray is so good. And as as amazing as Daisy Ridley is in this movie, I kind of miss JJ directing. No, me too. Uh, that me too. Yeah. There there was a significant drop off, and not drop off. I don't want to say that because she was still good in this movie. I don't I don't want to. Yeah, tell the difference. In mm-hmm. Directed. I might um, disagree with that actually. Really? Okay. I, mean, I don't think it works. I think it's just different. I, I agree one hundred percent. I'm excited to see like how the difference that she is in this movie kind of interacts with how JJ does his directing with actors in the next movie. Like, I really love Ray in this movie. She is adorable and she is determined and fiery and she just does not care about anything. Like she, I mean, she cares about good things, but she doesn't care what anyone thinks about what she's doing, which I really love. And I wish we'd gotten more time with that. And I think JJ is just enamored with Ray as a character. So I think we will get a lot more of her in the next movie, mm-hmm. which is why I'm really excited. And I like I don't really care about JJ storytelling. I've said it a million times that I don't think he can write good endings, at least that I enjoy personally. Um, but 
I do love how he works with characters. And so I'm really keen to see how he works with these grown characters that have changed quite a lot since he did, you know, since they started in The Force Awakens. Um, Megan, I'm really curious about your thoughts on Rey for this. I think in both movies, Rey does not quite have a clear direction to her, which Mm -hmm. is explicitly stated in The Last Jedi. She says that she doesn't know what she wants. And one of the things that made it hard for me to connect with her in The Force Awakens was that she didn't really seem to know what she wanted. I think Daisy Ridley is a really good actor. She's a really cool fighter, but she was kind of told to look confused a few times, I think. And she did look confused. And in The Last Jedi, especially in, like, the last quarter of it, I don't necessarily think this movie even had enough of this in it, but especially in the last quarter of it, she had this, like, more steely look to her. And she Mm, was... I love that look. She was allowed... Not... uh, Excuse me, not allowed to. She displayed more open emotion, which includes, like... She screamed during some of those fights. She, like, her face wrinkled up because she was angry. In the last scene with the Millennium Falcon, the um, director made sure to show her that she was having fun. She clearly was, like, when she hugged Finn, she was clearly happy. She was given a lot of uh, more of a range than I think she had in The Force Awakens. And even just how, like... Her physicality in that she was, the fighting was, was fine, but also like when she put her hand down on the rocks and stuff, you could see that she has like moles on her hand and Leia and Holdo too. There, there was nothing airbrushed about them. They were like age spotted and wrinkled and you could tell they looked like real people. And you could tell when Ray had like mud splattered on her and she looked a bit less, um, uh, less uh, like a like I don't know. You mentioned that you feel like it was sort of J.J. Abrams was clearly very fond of her, and I think sometimes that can translate into not wanting to show any quote perfection quote what blemishes. I find that interesting yeah. because she looks a lot more made up in this movie. Like her, I, I, her, I her, her face for sure. Her face, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Her face definitely looked very made up in like a. Hollywood way in like, yes. like most. It's like the women. no makeup, but there's definitely makeup. Yeah, it, it was very obvious at times. Yeah, I mean, it's like like the way her lips are so shiny all the time. Yeah, or how, she had the perfect blush. The the rock the rock scene specifically actually when like the the lighting on her it looks like she's like her lips are like literally perfectly like done. I mean, like uh, yeah, it gets me when she's in like yeah. the coffin thing and she gets yeah. that side shot. Her lips are so glistening, and I'm like, nah. If you've been in that, it's like you're in that thing. You've been traveling around a lot. Your lips would be chapped as hell. I, I mean, I, 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 we're splitting hairs at this point. Space I, 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 yeah, a space chapstick. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm I sorry, I Megan. I agree with you as well, though, Megan. Like, yeah. I think you are right. In that. <laughs> but I agree with you as well. Yeah. We're both right. We're, we're all right. Come on now. Amazing. Okay, so, okay, we've talked a lot about Rey and Luke and Snook and Leia. Not actually well, Leia that much. Uh, mostly Rey and Kylo so far, which makes sense because they're big characters. But they're the best things in this movie. On, we do, shut up, Paul, we need to touch on other characters. <laughs> no, there we don't. Other good characters in this no, movie. they're the ones that matter. <laughs> no, um, like Finn and Poe. Okay, we don't have to talk about Poe, it's fine. But Finn Thank you. and Rose yes. and. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Amelin, and even though he's barely in it, DJ, because I weirdly love that man. Um, Why? I weirdly love that man. He's, I don't even know what it is about him, but I just it's really weird. love DJ. Uh, and it's so who is hilarious. He's like charismatic um, <laughs> in a slimy sort of way. Yeah, and as the way he does the stutter is just really cool. And the way he moves is really, really kind of great. I love it. I really want to come back. I I'm shaking my head at you, too. I'm shaking my head at you, I'm too. I'm so excited about the DJ comic, Paul. Oh, my lord! <laughs> I did not expect Oh, I did not expect that. Neither did I. Oh, my lord. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. We have, we have Nintendo <laughs> my takeaway from this movie. I don't oh. even know, but same. Oh, my anyway. lord. You guys, then no. end. The new character Rose. We're talking about this for whether or not you want us to. Uh, <laughs> Rose, Rose is amazing. Finn is Finn. Uh, he does not get enough screen time in this movie. Everyone yet. loves him. He. Mm-hmm. I just feel like everyone always was asking about Finn. Like it's just like a love quadrangle where everyone loves Finn, and that's it's correct. Fair. He's lovable as hell. I love Finn. Um, I love. I do love Rose now that we have her in here. I do somewhat agree that the side story that they do is a little bit, like, not integral to the main plot. Nope. But I think, on the <laughs> other hand, it is integral to the themes of the movie and the yes. characters themselves. Yes. And it will also probably lead in well to the next movie and actually have an effect on that, rebellion-wise and themes-wise. I think it's easy to dismiss stuff in films and storytelling that doesn't progress, like, the main plot. But it's also important to look at things in terms of characterization and character growth and character arcs. And I think that's what Finn and Rose's thing is. It's very much about keeping that theme of hope and inspiration that Star Wars has and also growing, you know, Finn as a character and Rose as a character. And I love Rose. She's amazing. And also the Space Horses. I love them. They were my favorite of all the creatures. Rose is definitely the character that um, I identified with a lot. I, it's not. I cannot overstate the importance of the um, the fact that she is Asian and the representation aspect there, which is I am not Asian. I cannot speak to that, but I think it's important to say it. But for me, it was she's a woman who isn't in like a super powerful role. She's just mm-hmm. like yeah. she's a, a attack right, and you see. I thought Paige's death was done really well, and you see that Rose so is both. Um, really she has a lot of feelings she's crying in the corner of a spaceship because she's sad like that's probably what i would be if i was in star wars and then also she is like yeah i tased four people this morning like that was where i was like yes i love her she's not we've not really seen a character like this before and i really liked her line like canto bite didn't didn't really bother me i understand that it was a bit of an offshoot from the rest of the story, but I really liked the Fabiers. I keep wanting to call them Falthiers with an L <laughs> Me for some too. reason. Because they kind of look like them, Falcor. Yeah, Falcor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you see them spelled with an L on Den of Geek, I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> but I I know I fixed it at least once. But I really like them. And I really like her line about wanting to, like, put her fist through the whole lousy, beautiful city. I was, that was just, like, that line. a super poetic line, like, even more so than the other lines in this movie. That one and the thing about letting the past die was probably my favorite, like, single, like, out-of-context prose in this. So... I liked all those things about Rose, and I'm currently reading 
Cobalt Squadron, which is a novel about Rose. It's uh, I haven't read much of it, but yeah. I'm glad it's there. Yeah, yeah, I really like Kento Bite, which I also want to call Kento Blight. These L's just need to be in mm-hmm. things. I um, know. I can see why people don't like it. <laughs> one of the one of the things that people complain about Kento Bite that I don't agree with is because it's topical and not Star Wars or whatever. And I'm like, sure, whatever. Anakin being a slave, sure. That that was a thing that happened. Remember when that was an important part of Star Wars? Um, anyways, hey, and also, you know, the entirety of Coruscant and how bureaucracy and people having money and being corrupt. It's really terrible. interesting. I've heard a lot of the opposite. I've heard a lot yeah. of the, like, it doesn't take its stance hard enough. No, people get really mad because they're like, how dare it talk about, like, war profiteering and slave owning and stuff like that. And I'm like... These are things that have been in Star Wars for so long. Are you stupid? Like, come on. Um, <laughs> I like. I don't really care about what point Kanto Bite is trying to make. I think the point that like Finn and Rose make with like you know freeing freeing the tortured animals. Somebody got mad because apparently Star Wars is anti-animal abuse, and that's too topical, which is so stupid. Hmm. Um, but. Like them freeing the failures and giving those slaves, those slave kids, like inspiration and being like, we're with the rebels and like the rebels are good and we're still here and everything. And all of that, them freeing the beasts and Finn kind of finding his own freedom in that and Rose seeing him turn into like a, a more rebellious, a rebel scum kind of Finn guy is just so good. And I don't even care if the plot for that doesn't make any sense or doesn't connect to the rest of the movie, what they do and how great it feels is just worth it. All right. Canto Bite <laughs> is not terrible. It's not great. It's like a compliment from you. No, it is. It, I, I'm being very <laughs> fair with it. It's not my favorite thing. Um, again, that was one, that I wasn't angry at Canto Bite the first time, but I just it rubbed me the wrong way. I just didn't really like it. And I was like, mostly because it looked too much like a actual casino, like a real casino. Like, you know, where if you look at the cantina on Moss Eisley, it's like, it doesn't look anything like a bar. So it emulates that it has like drinks in the middle, the bartenders in the middle, right? Which is somewhat familiar, but whatever. Um, one one thing that I kind of like when I left, you know, the, the first showing, I'm like, Kids of Bite is ridiculous. And I watched the second time. I'm like, eh, it was all right. And I thought about it. I'm like, okay, I remember I've accepted that episode two has Dexter's uh, diner, which is basically an American 50s diner in Star Wars. And once I thought of that, I said, I have no excuse not to accept this. So if I can accept that, which is arguably way more ridiculous than the casino, I can can accept Canto Bite. So I don't think Canto Bite is terrible. I think it's just okay. Um, and, and for one thing, I don't think that I don't mind the message of the animal cruelty being like, a, like you know, anti animal cruelty. I think the problem lies in the fact that did we need that in the story at a sacrifice for more Luke and Ray? Because in my opinion, you could have cut out. A, mm, a, yeah, you, but that would have not been great to cut those two characters out for more Luke and Ray. Like I, I think so. 
I, I mean, because yeah. you're well, hold, hold on. Hear me out here. Hear me out here. Maybe not that scene entirely, but just somehow. Re, I just feel like the Canto bite stuff could have been reduced down to give me more Luke and Ray, which that's what I want. I want. I want more of that stuff because that to me that was my again that was I my favorite part. More time with Finn and Rose on Canto bite, honestly. Like I, they cut like a thing apparently that has them shopping for formal wear to wear. Okay, that'd be I, funny. I really want more time of those two on Canto bite, like going undercover or something, would have been so good because. I love, like, whatever, the message, whatever. But, like, those two characters, their chemistry is so good, and they're so funny and so, like, inspiring, I guess, together, because they, they're just both really good actors, and they work really well together. No, they, they were they were bad. Love, I love the players so much, and I also love DJ. So, you know, that the entire place, like, has so many things that I love that I would never, sac- like, as, as lackluster as that story may be, I would never sacrifice <laughs> well, those characters in it. And also because theme wise, it's all about sacrifice and helping others right. and helping those, you know, who, who don't, who aren't able to help themselves like the fathers. Like it's not right. about animal abuse. It's about helping those. Who no, a- absolutely. Pretty free. Well, you're at like at your own personal cost. Like Finn, I think that's the first time that Finn really realizes that he's willing to sacrifice himself for people he doesn't know when he right. almost gets caught by the police for trying to save those, the fathers. He's like, <sighs> it was worth it. The to police. see this town destroyed everything. And so it's it's not about the story at all. It's about, well, I mean, it is about the story and the theme. Right. right? It's a growth from that to there. And when you've got, like, Luke being sad somewhere else and Ray trying to save Kylo, it's nice to actually get that, like, the affirmation that other parts of the galaxy are still getting the help from the Rebellion in their own little weird way. And that like good things are happening elsewhere and that these characters are changing things elsewhere. Well, you had, you couldn't take the, I mean, the father you're saying, I, I didn't mind. A lot of people didn't like that. I didn't mind that at all. I, I liked the creatures myself. Um, I'm a big creature guy. So I didn't mind that. I, I like some of the alien designs in Canto bite, but I just think that there's just, you could have re- I just, to me, it just it ended up being insignificant to the story. And plus like the weird cameo by Justin Thoreau, I think his name is the, by the, the red lapel guy. Like that was way too, he was ridiculous. I don't even know who that is. He's a, <laughs> I just he, thought that was a funny dude. No, he's an actor and a screenwriter. I think he wrote Tropic Thunder, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Um, but basically it's just, I, I just didn't, it just didn't feel right to me. Like that felt too on the nose. I, I speaking of the of the Pell guy, I did not like Matt Maz's Mav, whatever her name is, appearance. And it further makes me not like the character more uh, of her. I love her so uh, much. Uh, that. I mean, if they want to include fan. her for a little while, that Maz can get it. Like, no, <laughs> I love it. Just for no, the- she's so oh. good. no, she's um, terrible. She's so bad. She's yeah, oh. like if you were gonna, if you're gonna have her only briefly, why not give her a cool fight scene? I thought it was cool. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, like uh, having Maz in the movie wouldn't have worked like as a main character, but having is, her like not having her would have kind of sucked as well. So it's kind of cool that you get like this little snapshot of her. Like, yeah. Star Wars is goofy. It's it is goofy, series. but give me more goofy with other people I care yes. about. I want I want Luke and Ray, not Maz on a jetpack. Like, I don't care no, about you can deal Luke and Ray can do <laughs> stuff. Uh, then get enough though. Like other characters, Paul. I know, I know. But here, but here, I want to say for the record, really fast. I haven't said my piece about Finn and Rose. Really, I just okay. complained about Canto right. Bite. Really fast. I'm just gonna <laughs> wrap it up and say this. I liked Finn and Rose together. I really did. I thought 
I just wish they had more. I wish Wish the Canto Bite was rewritten completely. And I think DJ could have been written, not better, but di- differently to give it more meaning. I just feel like the way it was put in, and it, it has more to do with the fact that there, there's a floating, you know, a ship that they go and light speed away from and then light speed right back into the first order. It just seems, it just seems a little ridiculous to me. Like they, they escape, but they're going to come right back. It just doesn't, I don't know. This is it is kind of weird to me. It's it's fine, but it How just it that conversation no. is so was so surprising to me because and like I I really would like to hear your perspective on it because to me there was never really this unspoken idea that a quest has to succeed in order to be interesting. Like I'm trying to think of other pop culture examples of this. And it's, it's difficult because a lot of cases like mm-hmm. quests do succeed. And like, at least, you know, you've gotten a character you've, you've like gotten a character that it will be needed in the story later on or something like that narrative convention is there. But I don't think like if this had been the coolest star Wars story in the world, if this had been like, Duel of the Fates combined with Empire Strikes Back. And That's a weird combo. Like, <laughs> I know, I like it. I like it. I like it. It's weird. It's weird to be thinking about. Hard is good Star Wars thing. Sure, right. Um, you, like, and however, it did not end in success. It's still, and it was like, all your favorite things came true, and yet the story did not end with, like, right. success. It still ended with Finn and Rose end up back at the fleet and they have to stumble toward crate. Would would that criticism still apply? I don't know. I I, I, I think it's insult to injury. Like quality and whether it succeeded for the characters it was just very new to me. No, but I'm here's, curious to see how this is gonna look once the next movie's out and we have a few years. I, I agree. I yes. Like that this theme wise and character wise and possibly even story wise is gonna inform the next movie a mm, lot yeah and so like i mean it's not like the arcs written out like jj may not include anything from this at all i mean it's still informed the character just writes off rose and finn the stable boy <laughs> or whatever it may not come back but it, if it does like and he does write that in it could feel like this this little side quest that they do here even though it fails could be really important for now, the galaxy. I, I want to say for the record it, it's not that it just fails it's just i didn't like it Plus, it fails, so it's like insult to injury. Okay, so, yeah, so that's answering my question. Yeah, like, yeah, that's if yeah. Had liked it, it would have been more okay. It, I, I think it would have been accepted a little bit more. Yes, yeah, so like, okay, I get it. They had to get this to get that, but the fact that they, it fails and it's just a, a, a reason to get Finn and and Phasma to fight so they can kill her off. It's like, I mean, she may oh, should talk about Phasma. Anyways, remember <laughs> when Han got. Put in carbonite and they all failed with that quest. Remember when that happened? Yeah, that was awesome though. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I I did like the fight scene. I did like that. That was cool. That was cool. That was really cool. That was awesome. Also, getting Finn and Rose in Imperial uniforms was very cool. And also, BB 8 under the bin was hilarious. Like, I would, I wouldn't give a that gone because it was amazing um so, and also seeing bb9e anyways let's move on to phasma because, before i start talking about background droids by the way pz is in this movie and i'm very happy and she's probably still alive phasma let's talk about her i have a criticism real quick and then i will talk about my fave phasma i actually was very nervous when the bb8 first appeared because of the the scene with closing all the breakers in the x-wing i thought that was silly that was like oh yeah 
my moment. No, I didn't think it was hilarious, but I, I am a sucker for laughing, so I, I do not have a high bar for comedy in Star Wars. Um, and yeah, like, I realized that that's so subjective, like, it's such a random choice, but that was where I was like, this is a little silly. But, um, anyway, Phasma, I feel like there is a scene cut out. I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. there was, like, ten minutes of the First Order trio, which not necessarily because the, the like the resistance trio weren't all together but like 10 minutes of phasma talking to one of them because she didn't appear for so long i know and i, I yeah. like the fight between her and finn i think it was a fine fight i wasn't even the first person i know to say phasma should have like fa- i believe phasma survives <laughs> like other people were on that faster than i was um so like I'm generally, especially because there's so many other women in this movie on both sides, I can't be like, Phasma should have been in it more because she's a lady. I don't, I don't mind <laughs> You've that. lost that argument here. I, I don't mind that. I, I, I didn't even, by the way, I didn't even realize how many ladies were, it's like, there was a lot. I didn't even realize that that's like yeah, majority I of the cast. of like trying to like be really pity about someone being mean about Rose. I want, want to be really pity about like a new male character that they brought to this movie. And I was like, wait, I don't even want to be pity about like a new white dude, basically. Cause I was like, Oh, whatever. Like this character sucks too. And I was like, wait, there's like no new white dudes for me to be pity about in this movie. Like they're all like not white or not dudes or both. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, I was, I, I just realized that, Oh man, there's like mostly, it's a mostly female cast. Think about it. Holo, Leia, Ray, uh, uh, Phasma, Rose. I mean, that's a lot. That's awesome. I didn't even think about that. That's cool. I don't, I don't know that it's majority, but I haven't like done the numbers or, on that. Yeah. Or, or even Steven, at least. I don't know, yeah. but I mean, but still. There were a couple scenes where it was Holdo and then like a bunch of female techs and um, Conics, right? That's. Is she the chick with the nose? No, no, Connex is um Billy. Billy Laura. Oh yeah, I I actually really liked her character. I hope she gets more. I saw a theory on Twitter, or like an idea on Twitter, that she might like step up more into a bigger role to kind of fill in for Mm. Carrie Fisher not being there as like a lovely kind of tribute thing, and also because they do give her a bigger role in this movie. Yeah, and it would make sense for her and Pin Pin Mm -hmm. (laughs) Poe to you know step up. And kind of take the role of the rebel leaders, and that would be really cool because she was mm-hmm. really good in this. My wife yeah, has seen I her act. In, is it she in Scream Queens or something? She's in a show yeah. that my wife yeah. watches. She loves her so, and like it, I thought she was good. Like I'm like, oh, she's like she does. Like I don't know. I liked her character. I liked the fact that she was. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I, like, I want to see her more. That'd be great. So I yeah, in terms of a lot of characterization between the movies. She's gotten the novel and comic. So I was really curious to see what they do with her in this. And turns out not much is the thing. Like I definitely I understand why you want to have why one would want to have more characterization for her. So it's I'm okay with yeah, I like I'm okay. I'm not like salty about her role, but I would have liked to have at least one more scene to go a little bit into like even something as small as what is her motivation or, or a little bit of like, you know, it, 
Phasma yeah. with coffee going, I hate Finn. <laughs> I wish I could fight him again. You know, whatever. I want, like, I want to kill that boy. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, Phasma is very much, you know, like the Boba Fett of this trilogy. Um, just because she, like, not just she because totally she's cool, is. but also because, like, she's just kind of in the background. Like, she's a character that just looks cool and wasn't really built to be a main character of the series. And, you know, Gwendolyn Christie's on the press tour because everyone loves Phasma and also everyone loves Gwendolyn Christie. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, she's kind of a little bit like Snoke where everyone's kind of built her. I mean, yeah, they do have the comics in the book because she's a cool character and she's also a character that will sell. And I think also because she doesn't really have that place in the movies to be a big character. Um, they have to do it in the ancillary material, which I'm okay with because Phasma is one of my favorite Star Wars books now, I think. Um, oh, so good. Like, the more time you get away from it, the more I'm like, yeah, that was a good book. I love but Phasma. I also, yeah, wish there had been more of her, and I kind of wish that this movie had been allowed to be three hours long because I feel like it could have been, like, it could have been improved by a few more scenes, just, like, fine-tuning some stuff. And yeah, like, you know, more Ray and Phasma. Luke and less Canto Bite. <laughs> No, more Ray and Luke, like, it's a fight that builds on it in a more, like, plot, plot kind of way. I know, way. yeah, I know. Um, more Phasma, more Phasma would have been good. Uh, that would have been good, yeah. you know, maybe, like, a little bit more Holdo and Leia interacting would have been cool, too, because I really want to see more of those, too. I love Holdo. Okay, so, we've almost, we've almost kind of gone through everything. We haven't actually gone through everything, because there's a million things to talk about, and we can talk about this forever. We really but, could. We really could. Okay. To talk about... But this is a quick fire one. Porgs, yes or no? Yes, porgs, yes. I they were I thought they were used perfectly in the movie. Like they were they're a couple comedic moments, but nothing they they beat you over the head with. And I, I thought they were they were they were done well, done well. Yeah, and that's an eh from Megan. I still don't think they're cute, but I don't mind them. I did think the bits with them were funny, but I don't think they're adorable. I mostly love them for how much the audiences that I've seen the movie with love them. Like, everyone yeah. laughs so much at the pork scenes, and just other people laughing gets me laughing as well. Like I said, I laugh at everything. Um, I laughed. I feel so bad because the first time I saw this movie, when um, Ray and Kylo are having that moment where he's telling he's asking her to go with him and he's saying you're nothing you're nobody and i could not stop it's, it's this heavy moment i could not stop laughing because all i could do was just imagine him saying this just straight to twitter being like hey she's nobody stop it oh <laughs> you had to make it meta didn't you <laughs> really really interesting it was a problem kylo the ren would subtweet ray I know exactly what Twitter would say to this moment. And I'm like, why has Twitter ruined me? Because I just want to sit here and enjoy it. Um, but second time I watched it, that was fine. Though I did still laugh at that a little bit. So like I said, I laugh at everything. It's a little bad. But we haven't talked about Holdo. So before we wrap up, let's quickly touch on her because I love her. Um, Paul, I know you didn't like Princess Valderon as much as I did. What, nope. Even with like with that background that you have from her, what did you think of Holdo as a character in this movie? She was all right. I, I didn't love her character. Um, there's actually I didn't even think of this, but people are saying that it could have been Admiral Akbar as is that character to give him a, a good send off. Dialogue from Akbar. What's that? I'm sorry. Imagine that much dialogue from Akbar would be amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm an Admiral Akbar fan, so I'm I'm also being biased a little bit. But no, I thought she was fine. Um, I wasn't. One of my major issues with this movie is that everyone had some, and everyone equally had some bad dialogue. Like 
The Force Awakens, I didn't, I never felt like the dialogue was bad as a whole. Like, I thought it was pretty solid, minus a couple lines here and there. Whereas I feel this movie had, like, every character had a bad line. Where I was like, ugh. And hers was like, Godspeed, Rebels. I'm like... Oh, yeah, I, I was weirded out by the amount of times I said God in this movie. Yeah, that that seemed out of place to me. Yeah, yeah, I that was... was like a- Decent in-universe explanation for it because she talks about her religion in uh, Princess of Alderaan, and then like oh, you've yeah. got like Han swears, and like you could ask the same question about some of the things that Han says. But it yeah. also that like regardless, even though I knew the justification, it still felt weird to me. And also, by the way, for the record, why are the hell are they calling them rebels when they're the resistance? Like I felt like they kept like towards the end of the movie, they kept flip flopping back and forth, like. They- because a lot of the older ones were rebels, so they're kind of yeah. just going back into those old. It was just weird, but, um, but then, yeah, because then he's like, when Luke's like, the rebellion's renewed, I'm like, wait a minute, this is the resistance. I'm so confused. The resistance. I know. Luke, I'm just. around for that. For let me split hairs here, okay? <laughs> let me split hairs, Sam. God. Yeah. Stop making sense, okay? <laughs> let me be mad. that Luke has to ask Leia what her new rebel group is called. Right. And it's still called the rebels? Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, good. We're good. All right. Wait, wait, hold on for me. Yeah. So hold on for me. I, I didn't think she was terrible. She wasn't great for me. I don't know. I, I was whatever. I, I Like I said, it, she's – some of her lines wasn't that great. I didn't – but, you know, I, at the same time, I felt like th- her role was basically just to get, like, Oscar Isaac's Poe character to, like, be a jerk and, like, overthrow her. I don't know. I it, Yeah. It's It wasn't really – her character per se, just the way the story was written for her character. So she's interested me. The fact that she has a battle that she did before that, that was a, is mentioned. So I'm curious to see what that's all about. Um, but yeah, like her character set up a novel so much. I don't want to go a whole novel, but I mean, no, I want a novel. Uh, well, she's uh, my fastman. Well, she's my fastman. Anyway, I thought she was okay. That's my, that's just me. All right, Megan, what'd you think of her? I liked her. I liked, I think uh, Leia Princess of Alderaan gave us really good context for her. I think that Poe's story was an interesting deconstruction of the idea of how the rebellion went about doing what it did. Because that very first scene where he like smart mouths Hux and then blows up the, the cannon emplacements. I was like, of course, like how would like, and not and, like, not in a serious way, but just like, how would the First Order not know? Like, of course, this is what rebels do. Like, it's a trademark rebellion <laughs> task. You go send one fighter out after a huge ship. Like, that's that's their brand. And I think that the reaction and the interaction between Poe and Holdo did a good job of showing how those tactics aren't always going to work. They worked really well for a while. But now, kind of like how people say, oh, the... First Order kept bringing back um, super weapons, so it doesn't learn. The Rebellion also kind of needed to learn. It was using the same tactics over and over again. And this shows how there are people like Leia and like Holdo who have like the head on their shoulders to say it's not always going to work. So I liked that. I also liked that I do kind of wish Holdo lived because I really liked their relationship between her and Leia and how even we get that um, moment where they hold hands, like that farewell moment was Mm. such, you don't get a lot of like friendship between women in Star Wars. And that was such an obvious 
moment of this is what we're doing. We're doing friendship between women now. <laughs> we're doing friendship. Yeah. And I know that that doesn't mean as much without the the kick of like, this could be me, you know, but I think that's very, very significant. And she died, but she went out in that like, awesome like black and white explosion way possible which was like such a great it was so artistic that and the moment where ray snaps her fingers in the cave are i think some of the more brave like artistic choices in this movie so i really liked that as well yeah i really like yeah, I admit, like, a lot of my appreciation for Hodo does come from having read Princess of Alderaan, but then also a lot of it just comes from her being really cool. Like, she's, I've said this, I think I said this on um, Radio Free Tatooine because they had me on to talk about The Last Jedi, but she's basically my type. Like, one of my favorite character types is older women um, who are in, like, a high level of political or military power who kind of screw up, but they're trying to do what they think is right for the greater good. Um, also, you know, high scientific rankings, whatever. It's It, it happens a lot. Um, like, Rosalind from Battlestar Galactica, I love her. She's one of my favorite characters ever. And Holdo kind of falls into that category for me. So she just straight up walked right into my favorite kind of archetype, which isn't really an archetype. It's just what I like. Um, and then she goes out in, like, the coolest possible way. That scene is beautiful and really cool and i don't care what science or whatever nitpicks people have about it there's a rule of cool thing where you just got to go with how awesome it is um and i think her kind of thing with poe is i think it's hard to see poe because we've always put built him up to be kind of the heroic pilot guy to see him kind of be knocked down a bit because he, he's like a guy who just kind of does guy things um <laughs> he very much just walks up to her and just starts talking over her expertise and everything straight away right off the bat and, like, her not telling him, sure, whatever. It did kill people because he was an idiot about it. And maybe she should have talked to him and tried to handle it better. Maybe she should have just thrown him in the brig, whatever. Um, but also Poe maybe shouldn't have been like he is because he did not help at all. And um, I think her kind of arc does also go on the themes of failure. Like, she does fail, but she kind of brings it back and tears the supremacy in half. Um, and... Poe also fails, but in doing that, he learns and kind of steps up into the space of being a leader. I don't really care. Like, I have never been a huge fan of Poe. Like, I appreciate him, but I'm not like, I love Poe. Same, same. But I love Aldo now. Not not because she talks down Poe, just because her role is just different for Star Wars as well. Like, she's quite soft-spoken. She's a little bit more, like, secretive um, and quite, like, I guess, uh gentle in the way she looks like she's quite a soft looking character um but she's tough and she's determined and oh, she's just i love her and i wish she had died so we could get more of her but also i am so happy she died so we got that scene um but yeah still holding out for like a hold on novel because i really want more of her yeah that would yeah. be cool i think the weight of some of that slow retreat was a little bit lost. I haven't seen many people complimenting it as much as I have been complimenting it in my head. That's the fact that because the First Order can track them, the Resistance is moving at this sort of incremental speed away. And it almost reminded me, it gave that like real, like legitimate military feel 
that a lot of like my favorite books have because it was people are clearly getting picked off. Like there are going to be so many stories in that medical frigate, so many stories in the little outlying ships. It's this very like it's a grind for them to get just from point A to point B. It shows you how big space is. It shows you how they're being chipped away at slowly and like the desperation is getting like worse and worse inside that ship. And there's probably like Rose says People have been deserting. I love that little detail because it lets the characters feel like real people, not that, not in a pessimistic sense, in that, like, I think real people would abandon ship. But in, like, there's a lot of them. Some percentage of them are going to do that. Some percentage of them are going to be, like, having panic attacks in that ship while Poe's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing. And that, I just got this great, like, I want to read about every single person on that ship feeling. And mm-hmm. Holdo kind of enabled that also because it she does the same thing Hera does in Rebels. Like, Hera's whole thing was that she wasn't used to giving out information to even her friends. And Holdo seems to have been, have read from the same, you know, battered rebellion textbook that Hera did. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I, I keep saying, yeah, I think there's like a million more things to talk about with this movie and we probably will touch on them more again in the future, but we've been going for a while, so we should yes. probably wrap this up. Long time. Are there any final thoughts for either of you on this movie? I like I this. We should talk for yeah. an hour about the different weapons that the Praetorian guards had. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. oh. I see that whole <laughs> It's fine. We'll get there. We will get there. Next next episode, we'll do a, we'll continue the conversation and maybe talk about some of the other um, books that have come out that with yeah, that tied with the movie. Yeah, like we'll we'll talk about all that stuff. But yeah, uh, I here's the thing. I like this movie. It, it's Star Wars, so I love it. But I mean, as far as like where it where it stands with me, I just I, I think I'll love it more over time. And with Episode Nine coming out, Episode Seven and Eight to me are just they, they are so dependent dependent on how what happens in nine that I just I can't really fully invest where I'm like yes I'm sold out for this movie and this is where I'm in like I need to see where this this, this trilogy goes and, and what happens with the characters before I make a final decision of like this is amazing or great or or what but I like the movie better I don't love everything about it but maybe it'll grow on me just like the prequels did and I end up loving those so we'll see I am all aboard for this wild ride that Star Wars is taking me on. That's yeah. all I can say about this. I'm I'm here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it, whatever it is. This was definitely unexpected. It did not answer a lot of the questions that fandom has been churning over and over. But I think it did what a Star Wars movie should do and gave this kind of emotional journey and emotional comfort and hope, which is so much of what people need right now. That is such a beautiful sentiment to end this episode on. So remember to check us out on Twitter at Cluster Cannon Pod. I think mm-hmm. I yep. have to ask you, every no, time. Yep, 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 yep. That's it. Find us on iTunes. Leave us a lovely review and a rating because we love it. Also subscribe to us because that's also good. Thank yes. you again to Den of Geek for hosting us. Paul, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Herman with two N's, 22, a.k.a. Pizza. <laughs> Megan, where can people find you? People can find me at Blog Full of Words on Twitter or on Den of Geek. 
You can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. Hit us up on the Blaster Cannon podcast Twitter with your opinions on The Last Jedi and your thoughts on what we think about The Last Jedi. Uh, no use of the word Mary Sue, though, because I will go ham on you. Wow. So we'll catch yeah, you. Don't do it. Forbidden. <laughs> don't do it. It's illegal. So we'll catch you next time. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.